Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to FlagAndBanner.com and clicking on Radio Show. Or subscribe to our podcasts wherever you like to listen by searching Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. Today's edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy is a very special one. We remember Arkansas boxing legend Ray Rogers. Carrie had the opportunity to speak with him on a number of occasions. Ray Rogers' story is one that you'll hear a lot about in this hour. Now, on today's Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, We remember a visit with Ray Rogers. My guest today, the legendary Mr. Ray Rogers, is an entrepreneur, boxer, coach, world's best cut man, three-time Hall of Fame recipient, and tireless community leader, having been an administrator and official for both National Golden Gloves and Silver Gloves competition. You may be asking yourself, what is a cut man? Like I was asking myself that. A bad cut above the eye or on the scalp of a boxer can split open like a ripe tomato, creating a stream of blood and making it almost impossible to see. This calamity can cost the boxer his fight. A cut man is the magic man in the corner, administering trade secrets for healing his athlete. The position is so important to the boxer's success that Mr. Rogers has been flown all over the world to aid and assist during competitions. You may remember him as the cut man for Little Rock boxer Jermaine Taylor during his run toward a light heavyweight championship. Today, Mr. Rogers is continuing his passion for both boxing and helping young men. He's not interested in creating professional boxers. He's more interested in creating men of character and doing that through the discipline of boxing. Oh, and did I mention he's funny? Mr. Ray Rogers is fun to be around as he pummels you with humorous one-liners and jabs to your funny bone. How about that? I couldn't resist that. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the legendary, hardworking man of faith, simply known as Mr. Boxing, Mr. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in West Little Rock, Arkansas. Thank you, and I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, uh... I have a question for you. Why did the Vatican move the <laughs> urinals up? To keep the uh, priests on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've been researching you because I saw that on AETN special. If anybody wants to learn about you, which is how I found out about you, I was watching AETN, one of my favorite networks, and uh, they have on a, they had your documentary on about you, and you told that joke, and I thought, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, it's 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 more. I, I'm happier being happy than I am being sour. So yeah. you know, what else can I say? That's it. That's enough. Where did you grow up? I never grew up. I just got older. (laughs) (laughs) No, you did grow up somewhere. Conway? Conway, yes. Faulkner County? Faulkner County, yep. Um, What did your parents do? 
uh, my dad was a pipeliner and my mother was a housewife and a good mother of five children. We had kids at home eating the putty out of the windows. <laughs> Is that why he bought a grocery store? Yep, that's exactly why he bought a grocery store to feed my family, feed his family. Yeah. Yep. And you ate it. And you yes, I absolutely. Absolutely. I got so big one time, I could walk down the middle of a classroom and erase a blackboard on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> what did they call you back then? Butterball. And what do they still call you? Do what? Did they still call you that? Every, every time I see someone that I grew up with, absolutely. Yeah, I wear it with a, a good deal of pride, matter of fact. You're not a butterball anymore, though. No, not yet. I had at one time I had to let all my jockey shorts out. Jockey shorts. <laughs> so your dad was a pipe man, yeah. pipeline man. Magnolia Petroleum Company. He that's a that's a hard job, right? Yes, it was. And he bought a grocery store. Yep. And I guess all you kids worked there. Yeah, yes, we did. And my mother run it, and uh, uh, I was. Kind of every once in a while, I'd get around a Butterfinger or a Baby Ruth that I couldn't resist. I'd help myself to it. That's why I become a Butterball. Mm-hmm. So, um, where'd you get that nickname? Uh, Coach Raymond Bright, uh, that was later at State Teachers College, was my junior high school football. I, I played football six years, three years in junior high and three years at Conway High School. And when I was in the seventh grade, mother and dad had just bought that grocery store and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. Mm-hmm. I, was, I had a Butterfinger and a, and a Baby Ruth in my hand all the time. And so I, I blew up a little bit and Coach Bright I was running laps one day, and Coach Bryce said, here comes old Butterball. <laughs> and it's I was in the seventh grade, and it's still with me. All my friends still call me that. I see them. That's been 70 years. And they still say, here, here comes, comes old Butterball. Butterball. <laughs> so you're, uh, you started boxing, though. You're, you played football, uh, but how did you end up in boxing? Well, I started boxing when I was in the fifth grade at Tecumseh, Oklahoma. I lettered in high school boxing when I was in the fifth grade and I just got addicted to it or for, I don't like that word addicted but I got hooked on it yeah, and, yeah. and uh, uh, started boxing in 1947 and I've been at it ever since. You said in Oklahoma but you lived in Conway, Arkansas. No, I, we lived in Tecumseh, Oklahoma at, before. See, oh. Dad worked for the pipeline and it moved from uh Texas all the way to Illinois, and there's a pump station at, if you know where Enola, Arkansas yeah, is, mm-hmm. there's a pump station out by Enola. That, that's what got us in Arkansas. Daddy worked for Mobile Oil 49 years, and they transferred us to uh, Arkansas, and uh, so... Uh, you stayed there. Everything's just, yeah, I'm, I'm a Arky. So you started boxing in Oklahoma when you lived there, and you were really good at it in the fifth grade. Yep. And then you moved and to— And I Con- lettered. I lettered in high school boxing. So you played football and boxing, and you I, boxed. Yep. All the way through high school. And I kept on boxing. I went to college. I was too little to play football. There were some guys there. Their neck looked like a—just uh, too big. This big. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just— 
smart enough to play pass the grades in college, but smart enough not to play football. Get <laughs> right. Brutes. They're brutes. Mm-hmm. You, but you boxed in college? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That doesn't seem... I mean, you're boxing. That's pretty... Seems pretty serious. My left jab was so good that the judges in boxing thought that the other guy was sucking my thumb. (laughs) (laughs) So in 1959, you joined. When did you graduate from college? 1960. But in 1959, you joined the Army. That's true. How did that work out? Well, so you're in college. I went in for six months. I had a a six-year obligation. I went in for six months. I left in June, got home in December, went back to college in January, and finished in July or August. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you went into the Army? In 1959. At that time. Was that it, Vietnam? That wasn't Vietnam it, yet, was it? No, no. Oh, mm-hmm. no. No, that was, that was way before. early, early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to... You had to have six months active duty. I was at uh, uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky, and after basic training, I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey, and then after that, I had a six-year obligation. I stayed in. Actually, I had a six-year obligation, but I ended up spending 25 years between the Army and the National Guard. Yep. So you're a veteran. You're I am. Your position, tank commander, platoon I was, sergeant? I was a platoon sergeant and a tank commander, yep. And then you went into the National Guard when you got home? Yep. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with boxing coach and the world's best cut man, the legendary Mr. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in West Little Rock, Arkansas. We will get a first-hand description of what it's like to be in the ring during a fight, hear why cut men keep their healing techniques a secret, the benefits of boxing, and why Ray says he won't train a professional boxer. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting from door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now, FlagAndBanner.com relies heavily on the internet and live chats with customers all over the world. Over this time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge has grown. As early as 2004, she began sharing her knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, and in 2014, Brave Magazine, a biannual publication. Today, she has branched out into podcasts, Facebook live stream, and YouTube videos of this radio show. Each week, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. Stay up to date by joining FlagandBanner.com's mailing list. You'll receive our Water Cooler Weekly e-blast that notifies you of our upcoming guests, happenings at Dreamland Ballroom, sales at FlagandBanner.com, access to Brave Magazine articles, and Carrie's current blog post. All that in one weekly email. Or you may simply like FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page for timely notifications. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The FlagandBanner.com. Today's edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy is a very special one. We remember Arkansas boxing legend Ray Rogers. Carrie had the opportunity to speak with him on a number of occasions. Ray Rogers' story is one that you'll hear a lot about in this hour. Now, on today's Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we remember a visit with Ray Rogers. 
You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Kerry McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the nationally known cut man, which he prefers to be called Laceration Management Specialist, Mr. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about what his family did and how he got fat when his daddy bought a grocery store and he ate (laughs) Butterfingers and baby Ruth's all the time and they called him Butterball and I played football and in the fifth grade lettered in boxing and then he's a natural and then he has a jab so good that the that the uh what did you say the judges thought that the other that guy he, was sucking my thumb, thumb. my left jab that's it <laughs> sucking the thumb <laughs> Okay, good. So here's kind of the sequence of your life as I can kind of put it together. Um, you went into you went into the military. Yep. You got out of the military and became a National Guard for, I don't know, what did you say, 30 years? I forgot. 25 years. 25 years. 25 years. And somewhere in there you coached football? Is that no, right? No, no. I, I played football in junior high and high school. Oh, so you didn't coach football. So now you're in the National Guard. Are you are you boxing still? Did you box in the, when you were in the service? No. So you haven't been boxing it in since college. Personally, as a boxer, I boxed for about a year. I won my last Golden Gloves title after I'd been married about six months, and I figured out that marriage and boxing don't go together. <laughs> Why not? Especially when you're newly wed. Why not? <laughs> Especially when she's tougher than you. <laughs> true. Very true. Why not? No, you, well, you don't train as hard. You got your mind on something else. Oh. <laughs> I see. That's so uh, the Golden Glove, you won a championship there and decided... You're done with that because you're going to focus on your marriage. You're in the National Guard now? No, I spent 25 years and retired as a platoon sergeant. Oh, you were actually in for 25 years. I thought I, that included your National Guard service. So I, w- I, I retired as a uh, platoon leader, a leader uh, and an a E-7, which is pretty good retirement pay. And so... Uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, when did you decide, and when did you get the, when did you get back into boxing then, and when did you get this title of being the best cut man? I've been all around the world. I've been from uh, Holland to Dusseldorf to Hong Kong, and uh, you learn to pay attention, and you see a guy that's smarter than you are, you try to pick up on what he's doing, and and. Uh, uh, I've got some stuff that'll hold two drops of water together. Hmm. But uh, how did you go from the National Guard to working in the boxing ring? I, I started boxing, ma'am, in uh, 1947 when okay. I was in the fifth grade. Yeah. And I just, I boxed all the way through college. Okay. And at that time was coaching kids uh, when I was still in college. And then uh, it's just a natural for me to be a boxing coach. Didn't the first time you coached a kid, you were how old, 15? 16. I was 16 when I took my first kids, three of them, and uh, they weren't going to let me. I've got a letter (laughs) to bring, could show you. They weren't going to let me enter those three kids, and I said, uh, why not? And they said, well, you're too young to be a coach. I said, well, show me in the rule book where there's an age limit on being a coach. They couldn't, obviously. So they had let me in. 
I made uh, two of them made it to the finals, and the other one made it almost to the finals. So from then on, at 16, I was uh, a coach. A coach. So now you've gone from a coach to a cut man. Well, being a, a, a cut man is a, a laceration management specialist. Uh, <laughs> you you learn that through, I've had uh, a lot of Johnny Duke, uh, Ace Miller, uh, gosh, a lot of the old timers, and, and they like me as a youngster, and they kind of took me under their wing, and, and so I for want of a better term, apprenticed under some great old cut men, and uh, uh, I know how to handle it. So you were already there because you had uh, you had maybe a, a boxer in the ring, and they're teaching you kind of how to work the corner. And the, yep. I see. Why are the techniques kept a secret? Well, if uh, I, I told her, I, like I, to... if I told everybody what I I did, then everybody would want to be a cut man. Well, what's going to happen? There's kind of a dying art, isn't it? Don't you need it to share? It is very much so. But, so, isn't uh, it time to start sharing? Well, uh, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> so, isn't that kind of true? If you can't stop the bleeding when you're in the ring, your 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 athlete's not going to make it. Uh, I've never ever had a boxer lose on anything I was supposed to control. Knots, contusions laceration makes no difference i've never ever you can check it out mm -hmm. ever had a boxer lose on something when jermaine got cut in 28 seconds of the first in the fifth the first part of the fifth round in our world championship fight with iran barkley he, he got cut and uh they got him back to the ring and and i said just get out of my way guys and i'll take care of this From the fifth round through the twelfth round, my guy didn't bleed anymore. Go back and find it on. Well, I actually did. I looked at it, and your the announcers were saying, "Oh, oh, that's a bad cut." And they oh. never, and they never mentioned it again and, after that. And it shows you coming in there with your swabs and all this stuff, and they said that could take him out of the game or out of the fight. So and it, and it did not. So, do you, because you're so good at it, you've been, you've traveled been, all over. I've been to Hong Kong, Dusseldorf, uh, London, uh, Belfast, you name it. I've been there. Tokyo? Yes. Amsterdam? Yep. How, is it hard to travel as much as you've traveled? No, not not really. They when they, It would be hard if I had to pay for it, but they pay for it. Everything from womb to tomb. <laughs> <laughs> So when did you decide in night that you wanted to start the Ray Rogers Boxing Club? 1960. How did that come about? 
Well, it's, it's kind of a second nature to me. You know, this is my 70th year in amateur boxing or in boxing. Uh, and I guess maybe I, I'm a little spoiled. You were training in other gyms. Maybe you were training athletes in other gyms and I decided. Have, I and have decided. North Little Rock Boys Club uh, many years ago when Brother Paul Holderfield was over there. But you don't. You believe in education over boxing. Absolutely. Why Absolutely. Is that? Education is the most important. I drive it home. Any youngster that comes to my gym, he's going to hear about education. I have, I actually have an education center next door to my boxing gym. And if a kid needs tutoring, I give him uh, what tutoring, whether it's uh, uh, everything from sex education on up. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, you you really do believe that? I heard you say that you. Let's see. What was the? What was it? You said boxing doesn't make character; it exposes it. it. Ex that's exactly right. Why is that? It uh, when you see a guy that folds like a when when they get under pressure and they fold, mm -hmm. then you know that they're not the real deal. Mm -hmm. And so you teach them to not how to lose, but how to take a loss. Yep, that, that's that's true. A, a loss is just another step on the on the chain of of being better. Of success. Sure. It if is. you can't take a loss, you can't be successful. You you will not. You will not be successful. And it's uh, you don't teach them to lose, but you teach them to accept a loss. And why do you think boxing does that? What well, is it about boxing that you like better than football? Because football is more of a team sport, but boxing's you're all alone. You're by yourself. You are absolutely by yourself. You can look around, but there's nobody to help you. Uh, you better if you're well trained and well coached. Uh, you'll you'll do all right. You are a national Golden Gloves and Silver Gloves competition. You have been the administrator. I was president of, at one time. I was president of both the National Golden Glove and the National Silver Glove. I'm still president of the National Silver Glove, but not the National Golden Glove. I'm a vice president. What's the difference in those two? Uh, age. Uh, silver gloves is from age eight to uh, fifteen, and Golden Gloves is from uh, seventeen on up to. Infinite infinity. That's a good oh, really? that's a good word, isn't it? Infinity? Yeah. So why are those organizations important? They were small when you started. Well, they they were very small. Now they're big, but, aren't they? Uh, the thing it give you know, you've got uh, uh, Babe Ruth baseball for youngsters mm -hmm. that uh, hits a certain segment of the youngsters. You have uh, uh, little league and so on. So boxing's no different. It's just a different sport, but uh, it's still a sport that needs to offer uh, opportunities to every age group. You like you also think that I heard someone say about you that sometimes someone will come in and try to change the rules of those clubs, and you are a stickler. I, st I am that. I am that. <laughs> you are uh, not going to change the rules. No, not uh, uh, not unless it'll help my boxer. <laughs> and mean, that you want to keep the kids safe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
So if I'm out there listening and I'm thinking, why do I want to put my kid in a ring and get his head banged around with gloves? What would you, what do you tell those mothers? Uh, well, first they have an interest or the youngster does, or they wouldn't be talking to me to start with. Mm -hmm. But I try to assure them, uh, and do assure them that, uh, Probably amateur boxing is the safest sport in the world. They get a physical prior to the bout, and they get a physical immediately after the completion of the bout. I don't know of any other sport that does that. I've never thought about that. They get a physical before and after. Yes. That is good. Yes. What is it like to be in the ring? You better know what you're doing. Uh, somebody will hand you your head. What do you say to those boys that are getting ready to go in? Don't worry about a thing. I tell them that uh, I'll be here for you. And when you, uh, as I always tell them to get back to that corner as quickly as they can. I try to put them on their seat, let them think for a second or two, get their get composed. Then don't don't just start jabbering at them. Say do this, do this, do. I give them a drink of water. I let them get themselves back together, and then I give them. I don't say, well, do this, do this, and do this. I pick something specific that they need to do, either blocking with their right hand, jabbing with their left. But don't tell them a storybook full of things they need to do. They just they got their hands full because a guy across from them is going to hit them. So they need to know what exactly to do. That is so good. Sometimes when I watch football and I see the football coaches on the side just yelling all this stuff, I think these are 18, 20-year-old kids, just, just, or even the basketball coach. I'll say just give them one thing to do. That's, Sometimes I feel like they give them too many things. La, 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 la. I'm like, no, no, just then he's got to decide which one is important. Mm -hmm. So you let you give them. If you see that they're not blocking the jab, you you show them again. Start bringing your hands up so and block that jab or whatever. Give them some specific thing, but don't say, "Well, do this and do that and do that." He'll leave that corner. Don't have a clue what it, what you said to him. Too many him. things to focus on. Yep. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with boxing coach and world famous cut man, Mr. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. We will get a firsthand description of what it's like to be in the ring during a fight with Jermaine Taylor, the benefits of boxing, which we've already been talking about, and how it's changed. And Ray says he won't train a professional boxer. Let's find out why he says that. We'll be back after the break. Next week on Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we'll meet Chris Tanner, Little Rock restaurateur, who owns Samantha's, the Oyster Bar, and Cheers in the Heights. How in the world does a restaurant tour like that get started? So how did you go from waiting tables at Ruby Tuesday to owning your own business? Okay. Well, I'd always cooked at my house and have folks over, put something together. What were you cooking? And, I get, let me guess, chili. You know, a little chili, I'd maybe you know, a little shrimp bowl or something like that, just having folks over. And, and uh, one of our friends said, you know, you got to start a business. You know, I'm like, golly, Yeah. So I kind of started a little catering business. Back then, I was cooking out of my house. And I like, you know, then I was doing a little Cajun Creole. And uh, I would do some shrimp, lobster, crawfish boils where we cooked on site. And that's kind of where it started. Corn. 
Oh, yeah. Potatoes. Corn, potatoes. It kind of slowly grew. Samantha's brother got us into Toad Suck Festival one year. We did that for a couple of years, and that was fun and learned a lot, learned what not to do. That's for sure. Um, did you have a little truck there, food truck that you were cooking Yeah, out? I had an old ideal bread truck that I'd bought, you know, and I'd run everything over there and set up outside. And, well, that's hard work. Oh. Tune in to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy next week when Carrie's guest is Chris Tanner, a Little Rock restaurateur. Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. This weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners firsthand insight in starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk taking, and the commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, FlagandBanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, this magazine celebrates and inspires readers through its human interest in storytelling. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfishes all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Free subscription and advertising opportunities are available at flagandbanner.com by selecting Magazine, where you can read previous stories and learn about advertising opportunities. Today's edition of Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy is a very special one. We remember Arkansas boxing legend Ray Rogers. Carrie had the opportunity to speak with him on a number of occasions. Ray Rogers' story is one that you'll hear a lot about in this hour. Now, on today's Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, we remember a visit with Ray Rogers. You're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the legendary cut man, laceration specialist, community leader, veteran, and coach, Mr. Ray Rogers, known as Mr. Boxing. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. Before the break, we talked about him growing up in Conway, him started being a Ray started being a coach when he was 16 years old. He's a veteran. He was in the service in the army for 25 years and uh, about the training of young kids and what it's like. Um, now let's talk about the Jermaine Taylor fight. That's what I've been waiting to get to. So you been, have you, do you know Jermaine? Well, did you work with him a lot? I know, I know him very, very well. Uh, I first met him. Uh, he's his coach. Ozell Nelson did a good job with him, and uh, uh, he brought him by my gym when he was 14 years old, and I let him spar with a couple of my kids, and, and uh, Jermaine and I have been friends for many, many years, and, and uh, uh, I think the world of him. How many times have you been in the ring with him? Every time. I'm the only person. All 39 bouts I've been in his corner. I'm the only person that has been in his corner every one of his bouts professionally. He got that bad cut. In case anybody wasn't listening, he was fighting. Who was he fighting? Bernard oh, Hopkins. that's why he brought his wife. Bernard Hopkins, she says. <laughs> And uh, he got a. And uh, if anybody wasn't listening, you can go and you you can go and pull it up on YouTube and yep. see where he yep. got a bad laceration mm-hmm. in, in his head, in his scalp. And I believe that, it was over his left eye. I'm, I'm almost I'm, sure. Of I that. believe it was too. And he uh, 
And the announcers were going, oh, that's it. That's it. That's a bad cut. Won't be able to get that. That may, not, that may do him in. Roy Jones Jr. said I, when I played it again when I got home, he said, well, I can tell you one thing. That cut will be a big factor in the outcome of this fight. He never mentioned it again. Big left took by Hopkins. Taylor takes it well. Taylor was banging to the body. Hopkins got an excellent left hook upstairs. There's a We're cut. A cut here. There's a cut on the eye from Ray Taylor from a headbutt. This was something that could have been expected. All right. Looks like the cut is well up on his forehead. Ready? Come in. Box. Definitely from an accidental headbutt. Taylor has never been cut. Now he's got blood streaming down the left side of his face. How big a distraction, Roy? I don't think that'd be a big distraction, but you never can tell because he's already so excited. And the blood is coming into his eye. You saw him fall with the left hand, and you see him attack with the right. The cut on Taylor's head may be bothering Jermaine. Hopkins starts to clown. Don't hold him! Don't hold him! And gets in a little left hook as he breaks away. Terrific round. I didn't even bother to see, did Jermaine win or lose that fight? We won, we won it. We won four world championships that night. That night? They were all, yeah, they were all, Bernard Hopkins uh, owned all of the uh, world middleweight belts. And when we beat him that night, we won every one of them. Oh, I see. So what's it like to be in the ring with him? Is well, it adrenaline rush? It, Is it worrisome? Uh, Are you nervous? Uh, no. No, you can't. You you can't uh, uh, be like that guy that said nervous. No, nope. you remember him? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, who was that? Yeah, you must remember. <laughs> but uh, oh, uh, Don Knotts. Yeah. Oh, Don Knotts. Just yeah, jumpy, uh -huh. jumpy as a Mexican shortstop. Uh huh. <laughs> um, um, so you're not nervous? Nope. I don't get excited. I I ask the people. Uh, that in my corner with me, you take care of the uh, drinks and stuff like that. I'll take care of everything else. What's the difference between working in a professional ring with a professional boxer and working with the kids? Oh, well, the kids are a lot. There's a lot of money on the line when it's professionals and the kids. It's just a trophy on the line. And you just, uh, it's just a different atmosphere. Uh, professional boxing, like any other profession, it's all about money. It's all about money. You, sell, you said uh, that you won't teach a kid. If a, if, if a, kid, if comes a kid comes in to my office and says, I want to turn pro, I send them down the road. I've never, ever, I've coached thousands probably of kids and i've never ever i've had a number maybe half a dozen turn pro but the minute they tell me they want to turn pro i send them out why because i don't turn kids pro i don't train them uh to be a professional boxer why because it's a brutal sport when they get to there's there's a lack of scruples in professional boxing I just tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a part of that? Nope. No, I won't be a part of it. But yet, you don't think it's a brutal sport when it's on, when it's youth, golden and silver gloves? Nope. You 
think it's because we have the the youngsters are all given a physical prior to the bout, and immediately the minute they walk down the steps at the conclusion of a bout, the doctor re-examines them. We take no chances at all. They're precious commodities. Those youngsters are just precious. Whereas the professionals are just a piece it's of meat. It's all that's it's piece of meat. And it's all for money. And they just use them up. Yep, they use them up and, and discard them mostly. He, how has the sport changed? You've been doing this for seventy years. Yep. How has the sport changed? Uh, equipment is better than it used to be. The the gloves, they, I, I've seen them in the dressing room, what they call brake gloves, and they will push the horsehair back here and down so that the knuckles show. Now, that's in the old days. Because uh, oh. you got to remember, I've been around a long, long time. I've seen every trick in the book. Some of them legal, some of them smart, some of them ignorant, and, and some of them totally repugnant. I've been wanting to use that word for a long time. <laughs> well, you're going to have to tell me what it means. <laughs> no, so they give them a knuckle sandwich? You're saying that the old gloves, they used to peel back break the them. horse they, hair? They, what they call break them. And they, they would push the horse hair back this way and this way so the knuckles would be exposed. Well, any old, If there's any old boxing coaches listening, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, that seems it to was, be hard on every, both of you. One of them's going to end up with, with bloody knuckles, and the other one's well, going to end up with a bloody that, face. Uh, the other guy probably won't know about your bloody knuckles when you get through with him. So in the old days, they used to wear a mouthpiece. We still do. It's 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 mandatory. But in the old days, they'd come out and they wouldn't let you put them yeah, back they in. They would not. Uh, you could, they would kick it out of the ring, and your second could get it and wash it off and put it back at the at the end of the round. So you had to box without a mouthpiece in the old yep. days. Yep. So that's equipment if, improvement. If you dropped it, if you dropped it. Or spit it out. They just kicked it out of the ring, and you got it back at the end of the, uh, not at the end of the bout, at the end of that round. Well, that's an improvement. Yeah, very much so. Because otherwise you'd lose a lot of teeth. Yep. What else has changed besides the equipment? Oh, Are girls boxing? Uh, girls are, are now allowed to box, and uh, there, there's a, a sizable number of young ladies in Arkansas that box. You training any of them? Nope. Where are they training? I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I've not had one come to my gym. When they do, they box with the men, or they box in their no, own no, leg? No, no, no. That's uh, you can't do that. It's, yeah. it's there's a, a weight, age, and gender uh, requirement. Yeah. They've got to be either a man against a man, or a boy against a boy, a girl against a girl, uh, and. They have to do, you have to have a mouthpiece, you have to have a, a head guard. That, that's something they only used a head guard in training in the old days. Now then, uh, both opponents have got to have a head guard on. What do you think about cage fighting? Repulsive. Repulsive. Have you, do you watch it? Nope. Nope. I cannot watch it. I, I, it's just, it's not really a sport. It's a couple of animals. A couple of animals. Yeah, it's all about money. Mm -hmm. 
All about money. So you lost one. You 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 think it's important to teach the kids because you're building their character. You're trying to keep them off the street. You talk yep. about that over and over and over. If anybody watches or listens to anything you say online or watches your documentary, you talk about your mission is to save kids. You're very religious. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, one of my objectives in life. Uh, that and outrunning the devil. <laughs> I think you've done that. <laughs> well, pretty much. Everything uh, that I have or hope to have uh, is in the hands of the Lord. I'm in that church every Sunday. The Lord has blessed me, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I, you know, I lost a daughter to brain cancer. And I had uh, <clears throat> a lot of problems coping with that. But he let me keep her 10 years after the doctor told me she didn't have a chance. When my sister got cancer, my father got down on his knees and uh, he, he made a deal with God and said that, you know, if you will allow her to see her children grown, I will allow you to use me as a tool any way you need. She finally passed. Uh, I think it was 10 years after, after he made that deal, but it was, it was enough to impact even me and my own spiritual beliefs, you know. I'll tell you what, anybody that doesn't believe in God or Jesus uh, needs to talk to Ray Rogers about that story. Yeah, if I can help a youngster, I'm going to do it. You've only lost one, it, it or make, how many? It makes no difference whether... Uh, they're black, white, somewhere in between. They're short. They're heavy set. They're tall. Uh, if they want to train and, and learn boxing, I can teach them. Mm -hmm. have, how many have you, have you ever lost any to the street? One? Yes. Uh, I had one. Uh, I won't mention his name. Uh, I have his picture up. You walk in the door of my gym and you'll see it. Uh, little 14-year-old boy and another kid uh, tried to rob a liquor store on 12th Street. And uh, matter of fact, it's right down there. Uh, and the guy, he had a, the kid had a pistol that was not, wouldn't even work, but he got the drop on the guy behind the counter, but he didn't know there was a guy at the end of the counter with a shotgun, blew his head off, literally blew his head off. 14. He was 14 years old. His mother? In jail, 27 years old and in jail when he got killed. So she had him at 13. Four, at 13. Thir that's tough. That's, well, the, that's the stuff that you're doing that makes a difference. That makes a lot of difference. It does to me. Yeah, I don't. I, I, there's a special place for people like you who are doing that. Anybody it, it, think how many you saved, though? Well, I think a, a, a goodly number, mm -hmm. a goodly number. Uh, you said in 2008, in boxing as in life and everything else, desire is half the deal. I'm a great believer in amateur boxing. I think it's one of the greatest sports ever devised. It's a cliche, but it's true. In boxing, you don't have anybody to hand off to or to lateral or pass it off to. You're on your own, brother. <laughs> 
And that's factual. And you're, that's you're definitely on your own. That's something everybody needs to learn about life in general, to me, is it's great to have... Um, to have support, and everybody needs support. But really, when the buck does always stop with you. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully. Hey, you're you're calling uh, up in your business with Carrie McCoy. Do you have a question for our boxing coach Ray Rogers? I actually do. Go uh, ahead. Um, actually, I want to let you know that this is a very good interview. He's very knowledgeable and entertaining. Thanks. It's a very good interview. You're doing a good job. Great job. Thank you. I'm sitting here with my stepdaughter, and I am a father of several girls, and I'm training two of them for boxing, and one is all mouth, and she basically needs more courage and, you know, more actual courage. And I was wondering, as a professional with several moons under your belt, I was wondering, what, did you, what would you, how could I help encourage her to have more courage? Well, that's something that comes out of the heart and head. Uh, there's not really, you. all you can do is continue to encourage them uh, at every step that they make. Uh, congratulate them on every, if they perfect the left jab or the, uh, the right hand block or whatever. Always uh, never be critical of a youngster that's learning to box or learning any other sport. Uh, the criticism seems to tear their heart out. It, I know it affects their mind. So always continue to be uh, encouraging to uh, youngsters that you're coaching. That's great advice. One, thank you very much. One of them takes it to it. She takes it to it like a fish out of water. She just takes it naturally. The other one, when she gets on the, she knows all the jabs. She's good at the hooks and uppercuts. She's really good at footwork. But when it comes to a little pressure, she'll just fold up and turn into a bag of glitter. She folds up like a two-dollar suitcase. Yep, like a two-dollar suitcase. <laughs> yep, that's what she does. So I don't know what to do about it. Uh, well, just just keep encouraging her and and never ridicule her, uh, never deride her. Uh, just uh, be patient, Coach. That's all you can do. Be patient and. Eventually, uh, she may get it, and maybe she doesn't have the heart of a warrior. She may have a good heart, but not have a heart of a warrior, and so you're you're spending a lot of good time. Yeah, so she's very, very nice. She's, like, super, super nice, and she won't, like, hurt us lot. And got to really get her mad to do something. <laughs> Oh, I hear her in the background. <laughs> well, I think that's good advice. She may have a good heart, but it may not be the heart of a warrior. Thank you. I just want to say thank you. That's a very entertaining interview, and I like this one. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Thank you. uh, you're welcome. So the one last quote that I have that um, that you said is the only uh, – the last quote is you said the only discipline that lasts is self-discipline. You can stand a kid in the corner and whip his butt – these are your words with a paddle but once he learns self-discipline and the desire to do better in the ring that will stick with him all of his life that's correct 
That's lovely. I want to tell everybody that you're listening to Up In Your Business with me. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Boxing, the legendary cut man and coach, Mr. Ray Rogers of Ray Rogers Boxing Club in Little Rock, Arkansas. If you missed the first part of the show, we talked about uh, Jermaine Taylor when he was in the ring with him. We talked about how important the cut man that you call the laceration specialist, how important that position is to a boxer uh, for keeping them in the fight. Um, and uh, we talked about just the discipline and the importance of boxing to a lot of young people out there and how important it is. And that Ray doesn't believe in professional boxing, which is really weird for a boxing coach, but well, that's what he I, I says. Wanna, I want to remind everybody that if they want to see some real good boxing, we've got the uh, uh, Mid-South Golden Gloves. It's Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee. And Golden Gloves is 15 and up? Yes. 15 and up, I think. 18 and up. 18 and up. 18 to 40. 18 to 40. Yeah. So 18 to 40 year olds. And got time for one more call. Hello, listener. You're on the air with coaching, boxing coach Ray Rogers. Have you got a question for him? Um, more uh, comments. I'm really enjoying this interview. I, I second what the gentleman said a few moments ago, the caller who said this is a great interview. It, both sides are speaking really well, and um, I'm a volunteer tutor for adult learners, and um, some of them are native English speakers, some are non-native English speakers, but I keep encouraging them to listen to talk shows as homework, and I feel like the lessons, or, or what I'm hearing about boxing can be applied to adult learning or any learning, and I hope there's a podcast or something or a way that you put this on so I can share it with other learners. Thank you very much. And yes, there's a podcast on all listening devices. You can go to anywhere you'd like to listen to podcasts and type in Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And, or, oh, wonderful. And I joke with my learners that I'm so old, I don't know how to use technology, <laughs> but they're going to help me and I'm going to help them with English. So rock on. I'm digging today's show. Thank you. Thank you. You can also go to flagandbanner.com and click on radio show. And there you'll also find a link to all the podcasts and it's on YouTube also. So if you want to watch the actual video of us in the room. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh, Ray, we're about out of time. I really enjoyed you. And so has everyone else, it sounds like. Tell everybody what your business card says. Can you remember? Oh, yeah. Your wife may have to help you over here. <laughs> no, I'm not with that one. <laughs> what does it say? You well, it says a lot of things. It does. It, it, says, says, it says a lot of things. It says negotiator, boxer. Um, Laceration management specialist. I mean, uh, it's got a uh, uh, whole deal on there. It's good. You've been inducted to the Hall of Fame for the Silver Gloves Hall of Fame in 2001, the Golden Gloves Hall of Fame in 2002, the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame in 2007. And the sports writers and sports caster. I just was put into that. Uh, another uh, Hall of Fame. Thank you so much for coming on today. I have a present for you. Well, it's you sure a desk do. set for all the people that are on the radio. It's a desk set. Ray is very, yeah, he's pointing at the religion, at the Christian flag. Ray, Ray is very religious. He believes in a higher power, like my, lot, many of my yes, guests. Yes, I do. And um, he's in church every Sunday. And uh, so the desk set is the U.S. flag. 
Christian flag and the Arkansas flag. And if I'd have known you were from Oklahoma, I'd have put the Oklahoma flag in there. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, uh, life life is good. And, and uh, anybody that's listening to me today, if... Uh, uh, if you're not churched, I would appreciate it if you would go to church. You'd be surprised uh, how much uplifting it uh, helps. You, you don't have to uh, be a Bible thumper uh, to believe in, in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to preach a sermon, but I'm going to say that. Well, that's just fine. That's your, that's, that's, it's America. You can say whatever you want just about. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. You have really blessed us with a lot of great wisdom today. If uh, any of you uh, would like to become a part of the show or think you have a good entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, Jason's going to tell you, as our listeners, how you can become a part of the show. If you have a great entrepreneurial story and you'd like to share with Carrie, you can send a brief bio to questions at upyourbusiness.org, message on Facebook, and or make a comment on her blog. And lastly, to our listeners, I want to thank you for spending time with us. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been for us. Thank you for letting us fulfill our destiny. Our hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. On next week's episode of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, meet Chris Tanner, Little Rock Restaurateur. He and his wife, Samantha, own Samantha's Wood-Fired Grill, downtown Little Rock, the Oyster Bar, and Cheers in the Heights. How did he acquire his first restaurant, Cheers? So, yeah, we were catering, did, doing some festivals. Last place I was waiting tables was the Faded Rose. Then I took a job with Moon Distributors, wholesaling wine and uh, liquor. And I had Little Rock and Northwest Arkansas as my ter- territory. So I called on all the restaurants. So I learned a lot, you know, just talking with all the chefs and owners did that for seven years, commuting back and forth as I continued to cater a little on the weekends and, and do, uh, do what we did. But I also called on cheers. We happened to be out on a supper club deal with a couple that, that owned it. And Samantha brought it up. Hey, if you're ever interested in selling cheers, let us know. Well, they did. And that's kind of how that came about. So we continued to do that. Continue to cater. People don't realize that often entrepreneurs have to work two jobs. Mm-hmm. Very few jobs are like, I have enough money in the bank that I can not work for two years, or the business makes so much money the very first year you're just rolling in the money. Did you buy it from Randy Brees? Yep. So do you know that I worked there? I did not know that. Did you know that I met my husband? I was the waitress and he was the bus boy at Cheers Restaurant. And that's how we met 30 <laughs> oh something years ago. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of people that have met their husbands at that kind of a job. There's been people that met and several proposals at several, definitely at Cheers and Samantha's. Tune in next week on Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy and meet Chris Tanner, Little Rock Restaurant Tour, right here. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guests. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream. 